0: talking a little bit about expansion but I think it's really important to put this in context okay so you need to know about us um, that, bec- that we believe that a part of our role as pastors is to talk about what takes place in the nation. Everybody doesn't necessarily believe that. We're strongly influenced by Dr. King, other civil rights leaders. We believe there's no way that you can lead a church that is primarily composed of black people and ignore what happens to black people. So that is just how we teach and what we do. It does not mean that we don't love other people. We assume that if you are here, you love black people because there's a lot of us in here. So (laughs) we assume that when you came in here, You was all right with black people. And if you haven't noticed, we are black, and you didn't mean to be here. Just act like you're going to the bathroom and don't come back. Or stay. It's up to you. But I think it's very important for you to understand that, because we think that it would be incredibly unfair for your spiritual leaders not to acknowledge the impact of what happens in the rest of the world to, on Sunday, and we believe that's also biblical. Nehemiah talked about what was happening. Daniel talked about what was happening. Moses talked about what was happening. So that's the only way we know how to do it, right? So I say that in context um, so that you understand. Now, when we talk about expansion, right, one of the things that we've been talking about is how important it is to have a kingdom mindset, right? We're going to start with a scripture, but it's going to be a little more, probably a little different than last week. But I want you to follow me, and then if you think about what's happening in the nation, you'll begin to understand why expansion matters so much to us um, and how we believe it's a part of the kingdom plan. okay? So let's start with Matthew 6, 33. I think I, I asked y'all last week if y'all could make them white. They still it's red. It's a software,
1: baby. He don't know how oh, to code. Okay. He don't code, baby. Mm. He Wouldn't would have nobody, to be able to code. Won't
0: nobody go tell me?
1: I'm telling you, he can't code. Oh, baby. okay.
0: All right. It's
1: it's red because Jesus said
0: it. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Good answer. For for those of you who have trouble seeing red <laughs> in a well lit room, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Mm -hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of those things shall be added unto you. So this is the context that we've laid it out, that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are not the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is a place that everybody has at. It's where God dwells. It's where everybody's going when they die, Mm -hmm. right? But the kingdom of God is God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things, which is why you can bring God's kingdom into the earth, even though you aren't still in heaven, okay? It's righteousness is simple. His righteousness is Jesus. The only way you get righteous is how? Through Christ. Well, okay, look, smart class. Let's try again. (laughs) The only way you become righteous is how? Through Christ. Through Christ. You can't work enough. You can't give enough. You can't fast enough. You cannot serve enough to be righteous. Your righteousness is given to you by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. What we believe is that after you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the most important thing you can learn how to do is think like God thinks. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing that you can learn how to do. It's like if we all got picked, if we all picked up today, and we all decided that we were going to live in Australia, in order to be successful in Australia, we need to know the laws, the rules, and the regulations. We can't go to a country and drive on the other side of the road because that's the way we drive. We can't go to a country and check out groceries or... Better yet, stick something in the plug because that's what we did here in America, right? So a lot of people get saved, but they never learn to think like God. They never learn that the Word is a tool that's designed to transform your thinking because you can't transform your life unless you transform your thinking. As a result, we have a lot of people who love Jesus, but they don't necessarily live like it. And it's not because they don't love Jesus. It's because they've never been—most people— so many people go to church have never been taught that they're supposed to change their thinking. People have been taught to work. People have been taught to serve. People have been taught to fast. People have been taught to give. But people haven't been taught to understand how God thinks, why he thinks the way that he thinks, and the benefit to our lives when we think that way, right? So he says, seek the kingdom and its righteousness, and the things will be added unto you. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Say, neighbor. God is, God is not crazy. He knows, he knows. you need things. Need things. You may, you're may you a spiritual being, but you live in a body. You need clothes. We said last week, we don't want you to come here naked. That's, we, we need everybody to wear clothes. We don't care what your body looks like. We want you to wear clothes. Clothes. when you come here. Clothes are things. You need automobiles. You need a place to stay. You need food. You need insurance. You need all of these different things, right? And to pretend that you don't need those things and that the church shouldn't talk about those things as though God isn't smart enough to know you need those things really sets the believer up to live a life of failure. Why? Because if you don't know that God has a plan for your provision, it forces you to look elsewhere for your provision. If you don't know that God has a plan to prosper you, to increase you, if you don't know that God cares about whether you can take your kids to the dentist or not, or He cares whether there is money for dance lessons, especially if they're called to be a dancer, if you don't know that, you are forced to find that provision from somewhere else. So we believe it is imperative that the church take the lead and talk about money. Yeah. Yeah. You say? Yeah. You say? Okay. <laughs> So we also think that it's important to acknowledge that particularly in the black church, we have so much poverty attached to us so that when people start talking about money, people get uncomfortable. And then they go, all the church wants is your money. So I'm going to say it again for everybody. No, church is the only place you can go for free every week. No, it's the only place. When you people, I don't care what church it is. Church is the only place that you can go for free every single week. You cannot go to the movies for free. You cannot go to Walmart, take stuff out of there for free. Not, not and walk out without help.
1: Not consistently.
0: Right, not consistently.
1: Maybe not that first time. Now,
0: you got to say that. Cause you some, gonna get caught. Right, because some people are like, well, I right, stole something right, once. Right, you keep stealing, right. you're not going to jail. You're going to get caught. So, while the church isn't just about money, the church needs money. We don't meet here because we cute. We don't pay them people at the end of the day with cuteness. Now, we definitely cute enough to do it, but they don't take cuteness. (laughs) They don't take cute. They They want money. Somebody says, I was standing outside and the kids was like, Woo, Pastor Sean, we need a bigger church. I said, hey, y'all need to get y'all some creative ideas, and y'all need to get some streams of income because a bigger place costs more money. And so then people go, well, why do people need to have a big place? I'm not trying to be funny, but that's just dumb. If you got 1,000 people, where would you put them except in a place that could accommodate 1,000 people? That doesn't make sense. They go, well, you could meet in a hotel. Have you ever priced what it costs to meet in a hotel? Cause if you ever price what it means to cost to meet in the hotel, you know it would be better to have your building than to meet in the hotel. So we have to have honest conversations about money. The other thing is we've been married almost 23 years. Yep. Next Sunday, right? Next Sunday. Mm. Make sure my gift right. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord, saints. I'm
1: going to bring you the Lord. Huh? bring you the Lord. I got
0: the Lord. <laughs> you better bring me a gift. <laughs> Listen, I'm just being real. Maybe you deep and you don't like gifts, but my love language, my top love language is gifts. I don't want no cards. It's just a card. I don't want, I, 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 don't, don't do that. Just, just text me, but don't give me no card and then I open it up, ain't nothing in. I'm sad. I like, <laughs> no, I like gifts. I like gifts, and if you tell the truth, the Lord like gifts. That's why he asked for a sacrifice to pray. You're not going to make me feel bad. If you don't want nothing, that's your business. And I've been married 23 years. I was with him when he's broke. I was with him when he didn't have but $8 left in the bank. I expect a nice gift, a nice gift.
1: I could be telling my business, though,
0: because you preaching with me. Okay. All right. So what I'm saying is, so what I'm saying is, We've been married for 23 years. We've been counseling people for years. One of the biggest things that tears up marriages is money. Two things. Almost all the little kids gone. Money and sex. Like, listen, if you marry, you got to have one of them work.
1: You cannot be deficient in both areas. If you're going to be
0: happily married, baby, you can't be broke and bad sex. Somebody just go ask the Lord for forgiveness. They're going to be like, look, I made a mistake. I need to go. This is not working for me.
1: Because romance without finance is a nuisance.
0: (laughs) It's no man's. So to not talk about money and its impact, to me, from a leadership perspective, is foolish. It is. It's foolish. 80% of the people we ever sit down and talk to got where they got in their marriage and started over money. Because it's hard to be happy when you're hungry, when the the collector's calling, and you got... No, 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 listen. Only newlywed people... Can live off
1: just love. Only, only. In, in, in fact, we, we were riding to Houston, Texas one time. I think we were going to Taylor's tournament. And I don't know who sings the song, but the song was playing and somebody said something about they it's were Whitney. Li- Whitney, who was Whitney. Whitney. She said she would live under a bridge uh, with somebody. And I looked at her, I said, girl, I ain't living on no bridge with nobody. <laughs> I love you, but I am not living on no bridge with no, uh uh-uh. uh. I thought we just have to be friends, but I am not li- I am not living under a bridge. So, I mean, only
0: newlyweds, only newlyweds think love is enough. I mean, you know, and that's if you get married as a young newlywed. Thirty something newlyweds, no, love is not enough. You gotta be able to you gotta pay you, in real life, you have to pay bills. You have responsibilities. Those things matter. And if people are working and there's not enough money, and they, okay, so then you're working and there's not enough money, and then you come to church and the church says, hey, we need a building. You're like, I need my rent paid. I don't know what you're talking to me for. We all need a miracle from Jesus. So if we teach about finances and God's principles, we can all be in a better shape and nobody's having to give their rent money in an attempt to try to do something in the church. And the church isn't always having to pay rent for the people in the church. Right. And right. because money matters. Tell your neighbor, say money matters.
1: Money matters. Money matters. You going next? Sure. So, you know, one of the things that we've always talked about here at Fellowship of Champions is that we believe that we are a church that that our goal is to teach you to prosper in every area. And so when we talk about that, we don't just mean in the area of things that are just spiritual. There are there are natural principles that we believe that we are supposed to address as well. Pastor Sean talked earlier about why people ask us all the time as pastors, why do y'all address things that take place in the world? Well, if Jesus was here, Jesus wouldn't be silent. Jesus wouldn't be silent about hate. Jesus wouldn't, be, Jesus wouldn't be silent about all the things that we see that are wrong. Jesus wouldn't be silent about discrimination. He wouldn't be silent about sexism. He wouldn't be silent about all the things that we say are, are Christ-like, but yet they, go, they fly in the face of, what, of, of everything we read in the Bible. And so for us, we feel like in order to be authentic and in order to be true, we can't just come in here and act like everything is great and we don't talk about those things. We talk about good things, we talk about the bad things. And so when we start to talk about kingdom expansion, And one of the things we do have to talk about, and and when we were, when we were, when we founded the church and we were, we were in, in, in Fayetteville for years and then we went to Conway, we spent a lot of time really talking to people about money. Not because we were trying to get their money, but it's the one taboo thing people don't like to talk about in church. People don't like to talk about money in church. But the truth of the matter is any successful church you see, they have money. You don't see successful churches. They go, oh, we successful, but we broke. That they, they, you, you just don't see that. It, that they, don't, they don't go together. Those two don't 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 line up. And so for us, our thing is that we've we've often sometimes because people in the church have gotten a bad rap. About money, we never have. I've always had a job outside the church. I've always worked and made my own money, so I never felt bad about what I had because y'all ain't never gave me that. But but there are people who have exploited people in the church. You know, you you've gone to places where you know, and and you've never seen it here. You never will. Where they say, okay, we're taking a special offering. All the thousand dollar people come line up here. All the five hundred dollar people. All the one hundred dollar people. And the reality of it is, is that God is never concerned about your amount he's concerned about your obedience so whatever God put on your heart to give now notice I say what God put on your heart to give sometimes what we do is we put on our heart what to give and that's a difference because we put on our heart to give like this well you know I got this to do this week I got this to do this week I got this to do this week well this is what I got to spare that's not how God says giving God says giving works by you hear me I instruct you what to give you trust I take care of the rest but it's never the pastor's job to dictate to you what that amount is and so when we talk about money, we want to talk about it from the standpoint you ain't got to like leave your checkbook and wallet at home because you feel like if you come to church we talk about money, we're trying to get something from you. The reality of it is is that everybody's got to learn to trust God. And we've learned to trust God enough that if nobody gave, this is God's church. He take care of it. Whether he had a stranger come by and pay for everything that need to be paid for. But if a stranger did that, you missed out on the blessing. Because you are connected to this ministry. So as this ministry prospers, you prosper. As you prosper, the ministry prospers. It's not an either or, it's a both at the same time. And some people have always taught that, you know, you got to give everything to the church. And then when the church prospers, you prosper. We don't believe that. We believe that God is big enough to cause you to prosper and the church to prosper simultaneously. Now, why do we talk about money? Well, let's look at something in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 10, verse 19. Here's what you have to understand. Money is just a tool. Say that. Say, money Money is just a tool. It's just a tool. I say it to people all the time. If tomorrow they said, okay, money that you know of now, this currency, these bills that you have, are no longer valuable. You have to have red rocks in order to buy whatever you need. You know what becomes the most valuable thing then? Red rocks. People will be throwing $100 bills in the trash. Why? Because they don't mean anything. So money in and of itself doesn't mean anything. It's just whatever, whatever we have assigned to it. It's a tool. It's a tool that we use. And God knew that it was going to be a tool that we use because look at what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19. It says, a feast made for laughter and wine maketh merry. Okay? He says, you can have a party and you can be happy. He said, but after the party's over, if you don't have no money, you ain't going to be happy no more. He says, but notice this money does what? Answereth what? All things. Somebody said, well, how do you figure money answereth all things? You want to go on a vacation to Jamaica, money answers that. You want to live in a different neighborhood, money answers that. We want to, and, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, Pastor Sean is right. We want to have a children's church that is about ministering to kids and they're learning God. But I want them to do it like at an amusement park every week. I want it to be designed like by the folk at Nickelodeon. I want slime coming down when they get the answer wrong. I mean, I want I want it to be lit. I want kids to be like, oh, my God, is it Sunday yet? I want to go learn about Jesus and get slimed. I, I want it to be. I, I do, I do, I do. But at the same time... It takes money to do that. You don't get, you don't get to get some money from Nickelodeon to come down here and design a set and build a set and all the stuff you need to it. Talking about we'll feed you if you do it. It don't work that way. Right. Folks don't work for dinner like that. So the Bible says money answereth all things. Now, the, one of the biggest lies that's ever been told in the church is we say this about money. Money is the root of all evil. How many of you know that's not what the Bible even says? It just tell you what it says. What it literally says is that the wrong relationship with money is the root of all evil. Because if you have the wrong relationship with money, you'll do anything to get it and you'll do more than that to keep it. Come on. Ooh, you'll do clear. anything to get it and more than that to keep it. You'll be deceived. Listen, people have put their lives in jeopardy trying to make money. I- I'm not trying to be funny. If you sell drugs, you're going to get caught.
0: You're not that good you,
1: you, you didn't hear me if you sell drugs you are going to get caught you don't find no drug dealer who has a retirement plan <laughs> they don't retire from the game they don't say well you know i got 17 years in. i guess i'm a cash this in no 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 if you sell drugs you're going to get caught if you do illegal stuff you are going to get caught you know how many jails are full of people who have gotten caught Listen, you know who the smart criminals are? The ones who don't commit crimes. I'm a smart criminal. I've gotten away with everything every time because I ain't doing no crime. (laughs) Everybody who think they smart enough to get away with a crime gets caught. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you ain't that smart. Tell him so you might as well well. just just get money God's way. That's right, because I don't drive down there. I, I, got a, I got a nephew. I said, look, you go to jail if you want to. I don't drive down there. I'm not going to Pine Bluff to see you They're all the way down there on the weekend. I'm just not. I'm just not. No, no, people need to know that, because watch it. Money answers all things, Right. So what happens is, if you don't get a revelation of how money works, you'll do something crazy, put yourself in jeopardy, and now your family is spending money to try to get you out of jail, bond you out, put some on your books, spending money to come see you. Just don't do that stuff. Amen. Just don't do it. Amen. She's laughing, but I'm serious. Just, I tell my kids all the time, I love you, but I ain't coming to jail to visit you. I'm just not gonna do that. Now, your mama may come down there and see you, but I'm not coming to see you because you don't have to commit a crime. Now, if they railroad you and they get you and you're innocent, I'll come see you. But if you out there doing wrong.
0: And we know that Pastor Edwin is not called a jail ministry, I'm right? Not. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, but somebody is.
1: Somebody is.
0: Now here's the point. Somebody's called a jail ministry. Somebody need to be paid for jail ministry. Right. Once Money. again, what do you need? Money. To cover that. Yes. And so the disconnect in ministry when we're like, oh, we just happy with Jesus alone. No, we happy with Jesus, but you cannot buy groceries with Jesus. You cannot. You cannot send kids. We, we didn't give Kaylee a scholarship with Jesus. We used Jesus' wisdom. To allocate the funds because when she goes to school, she cannot go to the registrar's office and be like, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, my schooling is paid for. Amen. I'm not saying there's not ever anything supernatural that could happen like that. I'm just saying that you're not designed to have to wonder if you go eat supernaturally. But here's the thing as a believer. The Bible says in Genesis 12, it says we are blessed to be a blessing. How can you bless somebody when you don't have anything? Like one of the most offensive things in the world is to try to preach to somebody hungry about accepting Jesus and you did not feed them. He like, does Jesus have any hamburgers? Yeah.
1: G's got some chicken. Well, and I think we even have to, as as a church, when we talk about expansion, we have to start thinking about how we even do things like feeding people because how you feed somebody just on Thanksgiving and Christmas. What about the rest of the year? If you're going to really talk about kingdom expansion, it is, and we've, it's been my idea that if you're going to help somebody, it's much better to take your resources and allocate it for one or two specific people over the course of six to 12 months so that you could really truly hone in and help them and get them out of poverty rather than taking all your money and giving everybody one meal one time and so will you even have to think strategically about what you do when you get the money you know when we talk about money being a tool really that, that tool is money is just used for, for three things it's to honor God it's to build people and to build communities if you're using money for anything other than those three things th- th- and it's really it's actually really selfish that doesn't mean you don't use money on yourself what I'm saying is but if you're if, if you don't have a focus that you know the, yes Lord if, if your mindset is I just need enough So I can pay my bills. I just need enough so I can eat. I just need enough so I can take care of mine. That's not a kingdom mentality. The kingdom mentality says there's going to be somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And I'm going to need to be able to provide and help them until they get to know Jesus. So you've got to be believing God for more than just enough for you and your family. Absolutely. And not just people who don't know jesus because
0: just because you accept Jesus don't mean your money mindset changes right so i mean you think about things like this because the like you you got to think about it's one of the reasons so let's let's use two scenarios number one by the time somebody comes and tells you that they can't pay their rent they need two months worth of rent at
1: at a minimum at a minimum they need two months worth of rent
0: if somebody come to you on the 11th and tell you they don't have the rent for august Whatever you get, you didn't help them. You did. You got to get them two months' rent for them to even be able to catch their breath. That's one of the reasons that we are that our benevolence policy is more designed on helping one family long term than just throwing it out like pellets yes. because there's no impact for that. Right. Like you, you don't. If, if your rent is late on the 11th and we pay your rent and we don't pay your rent for the next month, you didn't even get to catch your breath. You didn't even get to catch your breath. So you're already scrambling. So that's why we need you to understand why we think the way we think. Why, like, there are some things we do, but we're not like, oh, let's go get a hundred hungry people and bring them here. Because if we bring them here and we feed them today, what are we going to do with them tomorrow? Mm -hmm. What are we going to do with them next? So some of those resources are better allocated, giving them to organizations that do that. Okay, we're these people feed people. We're going to sow to that. Some of our, part of ministry vision is yes. knowing what you called to yes. and what you're not called to, right. not trying to do everything. So yes. if someone is behind on their rent, you, you even think about that from a personal standpoint when you're helping people. If somebody's already behind and you're already in the month, you need if you're going to help them, you need to figure out what the plan is to give them more than what they're asking for because that's the other thing. When most people come to ask for help, they don't ask for what they really need. For, need. They ask for the bare minimum, minimum. to yeah. break. break mm-hmm. right. What's the bare minimum? Mm-hmm. That's really important. Why? Because money matters. We say all the time, money is not the most important thing, it's but it impacts everything that is important. Yeah. Yeah. That too. We know that many, many people are diagnosed late, particularly African Americans are diagnosed late with diseases that could have been taken care of. The number one reason why is because they don't have insurance and they don't have money to go to the doctor. Yep. So then what people try to do is manage pain until it's not manageable, and then they go and they get a four-stage diagnosis, and we're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do when some of that stuff could have been fixed? But people don't go to the doctor because they don't have money. Amen. So we believe that it is so imperative for us to want to have more than enough To want to be abundantly supplied so that when people have a need, we can be a blessing. That is so important to our hearts because when people are struggling financially, people kill themselves over struggling financially. People break up their families because they're struggling financially. So many things could be alleviated, but... If we don't have the resources, because the other thing that we don't believe, we do not believe that it is the responsibility of the world to supply the church. You're never going to see us out here asking Walmart to give us backpacks to send kids back to school. Because if God told FOC to give backpacks, the backpacks are in here. Now, what we believe is that you can do something with so much excellence that Walmart says, we we want to partner with you. But when the church puts themselves in a position to have to beg other organizations for help, you're not the head. You're the tail hoping somebody will help you. That's not who we're called to be.
1: And I, and I, I, I hope you heard that because that is a key part of really who we are as a ministry. We believe that God gives us resources and that we can be so excellent with what he's given us that other people will want to partner with us. It doesn't mean we don't want other people partnering with us. It just means that our mentality can't be we can't do it if we don't ask somebody outside for help. We have the resources within this ministry to do everything God assigns. God wouldn't ask us to do something if he didn't already know that we had the resources to do it. So the problem becomes sometimes that we don't ask the how. But if we ask the how, God will give us the how, and then other people will come alongside of us and say, hey, I want to be a part of that. And I believe that that, not just our church, I believe that has to be the mentality of the church if we're ever going to talk about really impacting the world. Because right now the world is like, well, y'all need us. Rather than us saying, hey, you need to partner with, you need to partner with us. And so that really is a big part of our heart. So money is important, right? Yep. So then how do you keep
0: money from becoming the most important thing? You have to keep God first and remember that God already has a plan for your provision. Say, God has a plan for my provision.
1: God has a plan for my provision.
0: If you know that he already has a plan, you don't have to fall in love with money. Let's look at um, Matthew 6 and 24. Mm -hmm. Matthew 6 and 24. It's going to be in red. It's going to be in red because Jesus said, I got it now. I got it. I got got it, it, baby. No, I I really got it because the other ones were white. see. See, I didn't. Yeah. All right. It says no man can serve two masters for he will either hate one or Mm -hmm. love the other or else he will hold on to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mm -hmm. Mammon isn't actually money. It's the spirit behind Mm -hmm. money. It says you can't serve two spirits. You got to pick which one you're going to serve. So we serve God and we use our money to bless people. Mm -hmm. Understand that we see it like this. If you're a water hose passing water, you go get wet. So what does that mean? God is not telling you that in order to send other people to help other kids go to college, your kids shouldn't go to college and there shouldn't be any fun. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, if you, you can do both. But poverty doesn't allow you to have a both mentality. Hear me. Poverty doesn't have a both mentality. Poverty says we can either help people in Africa or we can do this. We can either do this or we can do this. But an abundance mentality that comes from God says, if God has put multiple things in our heart, how do we do them all? We have five kids. So that's a great example of what we've learned to live in that place, Mm -hmm. right? We have five kids. They have different activities, different interests. Everybody knows the kids are expensive. So we don't, we've never said, oh, because you play basketball, there isn't money for dance. Our question to the Lord is how do we do it all? Because you don't, and and so a lot of the challenge with the church is that the church hasn't really understood that God has spirits of influence and life is more than going to church. It is. Can you never say life is more than going to church?
1: Life is more than going to church.
0: And so if you don't understand that there are people that God has called, I'm going to go ahead and give you this now. These seven spheres of influence so you will know them. God has called people into industries. How many people sitting in this room right now could be in a better situation if your family had had the resources to invest in the thing that you were created to do? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. You called to be a dancer, I'm like, we ain't got no money for no dance lessons. You out there just trying to, because you old like me, You all you got is whatever came on Soul Train. You up there <laughs> trying to learn your dance moves on Soul Train. Right. It wasn't no YouTube where you could back it up and start it over. So what I'm saying to you is that how many people are in situations right now, even working jobs that you don't like, because someone did not have the resources to cultivate how God wired you. And this is so important because God wired us differently. We have different gifts, talents, and abilities. And God is looking for us to be everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why? Because when the righteous are in authority, people rejoice. That's right. It's one of the reasons that we tell you that if you work at a job, you ought to want to be the head. You know why you ought to want to be the head? Why you want to make the hiring decision? So when somebody comes in and sits in that seat and the Lord say to you, hey, they've been praying and they need a breakthrough and I need you to pick them, you could be like, job yours. Mm-hmm. Because the Bible says that God turns the hearts of people and if you're not in any role of leadership, any role of influence, then how do you necessarily have that ability to influence those kind of decisions that can change people's lives? So let's look at these spheres of influence because I want you to get them.
1: And as she's giving you that, one of the things I think is important for you to know, and whether you go to church here or whether you eventually get a job and you move off somewhere, you go to another church. You know, I talk to pastors all the time, and one of the things that always perplexes me is this idea that pastors feel like if people don't come to church, that somehow people aren't committed to church. Now, Pastor Sean just told you there's more to life than going to church, and there is more to life than going to church. Do I think church attendance is important? Yes. But I also think that as she gets ready to talk about these seven spheres of influence, as parents, you need to be there for your kids. If your kids are dancing, if your kids are playing volleyball, if your kids are in basketball, if your kids are, 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 are in concerts or whatever, you don't need to be one of them people talking about, well, we can't do this because you have to play on Sunday. I don't know about you. The way I grew up, that was always a thing. Everything they did on Sunday, then we couldn't do it. And the reality of it is, we don't know what those kids could have become had they been given those opportunities. Now, I ain't saying you ought to just be, you know, here in Northwest Arkansas, sleep and you go in the bed and you don't come to church. But if your kids are doing something, I would be mad at you if you sent your kids somewhere just so you could attend church. You can always, that's why we make the word available on tape. It's why we make it available through our website and through the app so that you can get the word so that you can stream but it is important as we talk about kingdom expansion that as parents we are pouring into our kids because they really i mean i know it sounds cliche but they are the future and you don't know, you don't know what taking your kid to one dance competition or one volleyball tournament, or one bowling tournament, you don't know who they're going to meet. You don't know how that may propel them for a scholarship. You don't know what school they may go to, who they meet at that school. You don't know how God has directed their path. But your job as a parent is to take your child as an arrow and to shoot them in the direction of their destiny. And that is not always coming to church. Amen. Which is why you need
0: to know the word so you can give them the word That's no right. matter where you are. Because right. if your kids are only getting the word in victory zone, we're failing. That's right. You need to be making confessions with your kids. Your kids need to be knowing, know their identity in Christ. I'm going to tell you a story about that, and I'm going to give you the seven spheres of influence. Those of you who know our oldest daughter, Taylor, you mm-hmm. know that she played basketball starting in junior high um, that she went to college on an athletic scholarship and that she just graduated in um, May and she graduated debt-free. Amen. And she she graduated debt-free because she could dribble a ball. That's why she graduated debt-free, right? And so um, I can remember when we first found out about AAU. And so when we first found out about AAU, we used to tag out on Sundays because we didn't want to miss every Sunday I remember being in the gym being really really aggravated that I was missing church on Sunday for a basketball game and the Holy Spirit said to me just as clear he said if you had my heart you would see that there are more people to minister here to than you would at church yep. this is the truth when, T- when Taylor got on the basketball team that she was on Her coach got ejected every game. Is that the truth? Every game. If there was a game and they didn't blow the people out, they was going to put coach out the gym. And we didn't come in and we didn't preach. We just came in and we just practiced letting our light shine. Listen, the people on the team, they used to get thrown out the gym. Listen, she was on the team. And you would you if you ever been some of you won't understand this, but some of you will because you from different situations. But if you have been in a situation where you're about to fight and you get that little knot in your stomach because you don't know what's about to happen. when we would be in the gym with them, I would just be like, are we going to have to fight to get out of here? And we just would show up, and we would talk about it on the way, and we would talk about how important it was for our, us to keep our composure because if we kept our composure, other people started keeping their composure. Then before you know it, the coach asked Edwin to be his assistant coach. So now that he's sitting on the bench with him, not preaching at him, just having the opportunity to be like, Coach, let that go. That's not that big a deal. And then we messed around and went through a season where nobody got ejected, not the coach or any other parents. That may not seem big to you, but that's being light. Yeah, yeah. The kids noticed. The kids would be like, when you not here, bad stuff happen. <laughs> when you're not here, the kids would text me, they'd be like, Miss Sean, you coming to the game today? They'd be like, dang, you know. So I'm saying to you, you don't number one, you don't know how God wants to use your kids. That's right. that's and you right. don't know how God wants yes. to use your family yes. in order to impact the families of the earth. That's right. And you don't always get the chance to do that in here the way you would out there. That's
1: right. That's right. That's right. So
0: one of the first spheres of influence that everybody, uh, that, that this, there are a couple that everybody's called to, yes. and then there are some ones that are specific based on your mm-hmm. gifting, is the family. It is. Your family matters. The Bible says a wise person leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That is not just spiritual things and recipes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's not just spiritual things right. and recipes. Right. Right. And we have to talk about this, and you know, we have to talk about this because the truth of it is, is that black culture is different than white culture. We talk about this. Th- is, if you, white people, you can laugh because you'll understand this. My white friends always say, why take y'all so long to bury somebody? <laughs> why yeah, why would somebody black die why 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 be ten days yeah, to talk. bury somebody if listen if if somebody white die baby, if you don't find out in two days, it may be oh by the time you find out it is over, what you don't understand is that culturally some of that has to do with poverty mm-hmm. because You're if good. you have the money to pay for a funeral versus now we got to raise the money for the funeral. We got to get Uncle Joe in from Vegas. We got to get Aunt Mary in from Detroit. People can't leave to Friday when they get off work because they can't miss work. Now we, that's why most of our funerals are on Saturday. If you don't understand that culturally, you'll be like, why they bury so fast? Typically because they got the money. Right. Yeah. That's real talk. Yeah. So when you die, are your kids going to have to try to figure out how to pay the bills that you left behind and bury you? They shouldn't. They shouldn't.
1: And it's why we talk to you, and it's why we say over and over that it is spiritual to get life insurance because, because I don't care how healthy you eat, I don't care how bad you eat, I don't care how much you exercise or how much you don't exercise, I don't care whether you're vegan, or whether you're vegetarian, or whether you don't eat at all, you are going to die. At some point, you're going to die, and you should not die and leave the people who care for you in a worse situation than when you were alive. And so, we, but we don't talk about those kind of things. But the truth of the matter is, when you talk about expansion, you don't have to look far. The church is right here on the corner, Cross Church. J.B. Hunt was a member of that church. He was a faithful member of that church. He was a member of that church when they, were at, when they were first Baptist Springdale. But when he had that accident where he slipped and fell, he hit his head, thought he was fine, went home, and ended up he had an aneurysm and died. Do you know that when he died, they were all sad? But do you know he made provision that they paid that church off? They paid that church off with his life. Now, now, he, now, I get it. He was rich. But the point is the same. You could do, if you took the opportunity to understand some things, you could manage your life in such a way that if you died, your family would never have to work again. Come on. It, I am more valuable right now. She won't say I am. Maybe. I hope. You I, are. But, but I'm more valuable to her dead than alive.
0: Now, but now, I want you now, to leave. But, but she don't want me leaving leave me yet. But if live.
1: I have to go. If I, I have to go, she ain't going to be crying because she don't know how she's going to take care of the bills. She's going to be like, Lord, the house and cars is paid off and I got millions in the bank. She's going to take the little kids. They're going to be sad. They're going to go to Jamaica on the beach and go, ooh, we I'm missed it. I'm glad Strick. you know. I'm glad you know.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you know. I already know
1: how it's going to work out. I already know how it's going to work out. And I'm cool with it because I'll the be Bible like, y'all stop <laughs> that crying. Y'all daddy it was good to y'all. <laughs>
0: And he's taking care of us even now. Even as, even as he goes. gone. Even now. That's right. Now, we're laughing because one of the things we found is that if you talk about money and family and you put a lot of humor in it, then people don't have to feel so judged about yeah. where they are and they can make changes. Yeah. But the truth of it is, is that we'll never be able to build from generation to generation if your generation is always starting over. Yes,
1: yes. Yes. Oh, you got to say that again. Come on, come on, come on. You
0: can never build from generation to generation to generation generation if each generation is always starting starting over. Over. So if you're going to die, and you are, you are then at least put your family in a better situation to move forward. We probably, after we get these spheres of influence, we're not going to go much further than that because you need to sink into that and you need to understand that. But the reality of it is, is that most of us in this room, I remember one time we did this question. We said, how many people in here had student loans and different stuff like that? And I remember Rick was the only person who raised hand. basically was like that his family had put things in provision for him to go to Mm -hmm. college. So even if he hadn't had a scholarship, he was going to go to college. Mm -hmm. We have to begin to think about those things because those things matter. I'm not saying that we should beat ourselves up. Mm -mm. What I'm saying is, is that we should be making sure that we're influencing our family, teaching them spiritual things, Mm -hmm. teaching them character things giving them the recipes, and making sure that when we die, people aren't paying our bills. As a side note, I'm just going to throw this out here for whoever this is for. Stop getting stuff in your kid's name because your credit bag. Yeah. Stop getting phones and cable and all of that stuff in your kid's name because your credit is bad, so your kids go to college and they don't even know they got bad credit. Like they 19, they already got a 535 because you done got all this stuff that you didn't pay for. (laughs) Right. I know they're your kids, but it's not their credit. And I want to tell you something, it's actually illegal. It's an issue of integrity. And your kids probably wouldn't do it, but your kids <laughs> good, could good. prosecute you for putting stuff. Y'all laughing. I'm trying Kayla to tell would. you. <laughs> Caleb <on. Kayla> would. <laughs> Caleb would prosecute us. <laughs> baby, us. Caleb would prosecute he, us. He will, he will sue you. That brother will sue you. You hear me? He will sue you. Our other kids would not sue us. Caleb would sue <laughs> us, baby. He'd be like, you pastors, you should have known better. But why, Pastor Sean, why would you say this? Because we get college kids who come here, and then they try to go get an apartment, and and then when their credit gets pulled, they find out their mama, their grandmama, their auntie, all these people has put stuff in their name. That's not leaving a positive influence on your family doing that.
1: That's right, that's right. All right. And, and, and before you go to number two, when she talks about family, family, notice she said that as number one. One of the things, as a pastor, because we're also sharing our heart with you, I think it's incredibly wrong for pastors to expect people to work so hard in ministry that they don't take care of their families. And as a pastor, I need you to know that. I need you to know that I believe that your number one ministry is to your family. And if your family is having problems, your family got issues, I will get somebody else to do it. I'll do it. We'll do without. But you need to take care of your family first. In fact, once you take care of your family, now you can be of service to the church. But it's nothing worse than having a family going through turmoil and you feeling like one of the other person is more married to the church than they are to their spouse. It should never be that way. God instituted the family first, and that should be where your concern should be.
0: And that really matters. It Again, does. we've been pastoring in college towns for a long time. I'm just gonna tell you, it's a lot of kids who don't like church yes. because of their parents. Yep. It's a lot of kids who don't. Listen, we we know a young lady now who will not go to church because her parents missed her prom for a revival. Mm-hmm. They was like, didn't well, the pictures. Lord is moving. They, like, even, they didn't they, even they, take they, pictures. Like, so, like, nobody was there to take her pictures to nobody. do all of that stuff. Listen, it's going to be revivals. And I know people like you be to be like this. It's going to be a move of God, and don't you miss it. But let me tell you something. God's been moving a long time. He has. He's been moving a long time. He's going to move again. He's going to move again. He's going to move again. Oh, yes, but he will. But you know what? Your kid. They're going to graduate from high school one time. One time. Your kid go at the top school go to two prongs. Yep. Like don't miss out on those moments and then wonder why they don't want to go to church. Let me tell you something too. Like you can't take care of the church better than you take care of your spouse. You, cannot. you, cannot. you will make people resent the institution yes. of the church. Yes. Yes. Don't be over here cooking for me and your family hungry.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, I can't handle that
0: chicken. That chicken for pastor, right. that's just ignorant. Right. Feed your
1: family. Right, Get enough to cook for your family first.
0: And then be like, pastor, we got some chicken left.
1: Right.
0: But don't do that. I used to hate when the pastor would come to our house and he would get everything first.
1: Especially that big piece of chicken. I'm like, I'm like why you get the big piece? You don't even live here.
0: And I'm not I'm not that it couldn't be done to be honorable I'm saying that if your family isn't bought into it and they don't see it as honorable now they resent the pastor the church and everybody we don't want the pastor coming over here every time he come over here just eat up all the food you don't want that's not what you want you gotta take care of your family I, I said But that's it, why
1: you should have family with the ministry. Family sh- with the you, ministry. You should have family with the ministry. Everybody should be together. Then that way no one feel like they're competing. And that's really what we want to, to grow as we grow leaders and those kind of things. We don't want people to have to compete against their family for the church. It just shouldn't be that way.
0: It just shouldn't be. I said this. I said, you know, you don't, when I was in Little Rock a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, you know, one of the fastest ways to make your kids walk away from church, I'm going to tell you, fastest way, be a hypocrite the fastest way to get your kids to walk away from church is to be somebody different at church than you are at home so at church you blessed and highly favored but in the car you don't cuss everybody out listen kids remember that and they get older and they go well who is Jesus exactly is Jesus who you are at home or is Jesus who the best thing you could do to influence your family is to work out your character so you are the same all the time. Am I saying you're not going to mess up? No, but I'm saying this, that if you mess up and you are, when your kids throw a temper tantrum, you want them to apologize. When you throw a temper tantrum, apologize. Selah, wow. that's right. That's right. sink that in. Man. You want your kids to accept responsibility. Most of y'all in this room, if your kids want to make you mad right now, let them stomp when they walk off. Some of you will throw something and hit them in the back of the head, knock them unconscious on the floor. You better not walk off from me. Like, you don't even let your kids have a facial expression. If you tell them no, they can't even be sad because you said no. I mean, you listen, listen. I want you to think about this. Your kid just asked you, hear me. Your kid just asked you, could they go to the back-to-school swim party with all the rest of the kids? And you said no, and you mad because they sad. Why wouldn't they be sad? But they better not. They better smile when they, its okay, mama. And, but, but let Jesus say No. Or let you think something didn't go the way you think it should go and you in the house slamming pots and, and, and every time I turn around, y'all always eating up the food and some of you so angry on over summer break, you're mad at your kids because they hungry. Like, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Let me help you. I'm going to help you because we're getting ready to go back to school. We're getting, ready, we're getting ready to go back to school. You got all year to plan. For the fact that next summer your kids go be at home. If your kids are at home, they are going to eat. Because just like you, when most people don't have nothing to do, they eat. So you got two options. You can either provide more snacks or more activities. Either one will require more money. See how we came back to that? See how we don't never take go away from that? Either one will require. You mad at your kids cause they grew? You mad cause their feet got bigger? They're your genetics. They don't have no control on whether their feet got bigger or whether they had a growth spurt. You going off on the kids cause they flood. Time I roll them up. Cuff them at the end. I ain't buying no new pants right now. Cuff them at the end. That's the new style anyway. Your kids tell you that their shoes hurt their feet? I just bought them shoes. Them shoes ain't too tight. You should have said they was too tight at the beginning. You gonna wear them shoes. Then you, now listen. Now then your kids scrunched shoes, scrunched up on flip-flops, looking all raggedy. And then you tell my why your toes like that? Mama, because you went buy me no more shoes. <laughs> Family is your first place of influence. We're not going to talk about all the rest of them, but I'm going to give them to you. The next place of influence is church. I'm going to make this one simple. Don't be mean when you come to church. Come that, don't be mean when you come to church. You don't own a seat, even if you bought it and somebody else sitting there, pick another seat. Stop getting mad. No, real talk. Stop getting mad at visitors. Like the people who didn't come here last week, they don't know where you always sit. You know why? <laughs> they weren't here last week. So if you come in and somebody is sitting where you always sat, don't ask them to scoot over. Don't uh, uh, excuse me, that's my seat. You don't, you, don't, you don't own a seat. Everything for the kingdom is for everybody. Somebody say, why are you saying this? Because you know some mean church people. And our second place of influence is the church. It is the church. Speak to people. Guys, we're in the South. Maybe you can live in New York without speaking to people. In the South, if you don't speak, you're just rude. In the South, if you don't speak, you're just rude. I'm from New York, but you don't live in New York. You live in Northwest Arkansas. If you go to the neighborhood market, speak. Speak.
1: If you don't feel like speaking,
0: don't go to the neighborhood market. Don't go. Let them bring your groceries out. But then speak to the person who brought them out. Don't leave here and go to a restaurant. Don't leave here and go to a restaurant. Waitresses tell us all the time that they hate the Sunday crowd. You don't went out and order $100 worth of food, left $2 tip. The devil is a lie, and you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And then uh, left them a little money card talking about come to my church. They don't want to come to your cheap church, and you ain't even (laughs) getting people no tip. I'm telling you, if you cannot afford to go out and leave a tip, go to Wendy's. You don't have to leave a tip there. But do not go out to a restaurant when you leave here or leave your church. Run the waitress like she your personal chef. I can't tell you. Like sometimes we leave tips for other people because the people you can tell it's a big church crowd because they still got on their church crowd clothes. At least with us, you don't know we went to church. But they still got on their full church suit. They got right They got right gators, <laughs> got a hat, nice. and then you'll see the waitress walk by and she'll be like, I did all that and they left me two okay. dollars.
1: You We're actually giving people tips when that's happening. Right. So because it's like, look, I don't know what church they represent. We represent the Lord here you go. Because you just don't want people having that
0: impression of church people. Because if people have that impression of church people, they are not coming to your church. Yeah. And understand this, you get one chance to make a, a first impression, which means this, other people, other mean people from the church have messed it up for us, so we got to be extra nice in order to try to get back to zero. So last tip, you could do this. We do this a lot um, when you go out to eat because it's important because most people save Sunday for their eat-out time. I ain't never cooking on Sunday. We always eat down on Sunday. That's what we go do. I may go to your house and eat. <laughs> Come on, Angel. I may go to your house and eat, but on Sunday, in our budget, we going out to eat. One of the things that we do sometimes is we pick a place, and our goal is to overwhelm the waitress with goodness, or the waiter. And we
1: go in. And clarify what goodness is, because sometimes folks think goodness means being nice. That's not the goodness we're talking about. So when we say overwhelm them with goodness, we're talking about goodness, (laughs) money. We want to give them a tip that's so large that they can't believe it. That they have to come back and ask you why you did it. Or did you mean to do or that? Or did you
0: mean to do it? Why? Because we've been in places where we've done that and people will be like, I didn't know how I was going to have the money to go back to mm-hmm. get my books. This is the money for my book. The lo- so... Pray about those of you who go out. Pray about where should we go this mm-hmm. week? Who could we be a blessing to? Mm-hmm. And we just sometimes people say, "Why did you do that?" And We be like, "Cause Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves you. Yeah. It ain't now. You got to come to my church. No, we just want you to know Jesus loves you. The other thing, do your money make room for you. Make gifts, It make it give you access. So typically, when people see us in rest, walk in restaurants, they like get them a seat. Get them a seat. They go they, they, get them. Then we want that table. You can set your own future you can. up. You can. So, you're a blessing to somebody, and they pick you because they know you gonna treat them right all right I'm just gonna give you the other things you no, you no, want go, no, okay number three education number four government spheres of influence so family church education government, and I will say this
1: about government some of you 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 should I'm sure that the Lord has been talking to some of you about getting involved civically. And maybe it's not on a state level, but there are different boards. You know, we, we talk a lot about things we could do uh, and things we should be doing. But, but there's going to come a time, if it hadn't happened already, that the Lord is going to begin be to talk to more and more of us about serving on more boards. Uh, there's, I was talking to someone in the city of Springdale, and he was telling me, and I didn't know this, but, you know, and maybe I should have, but he was telling me about all the, all the vacant board spots. Uh, that are just vacant because nobody wants to serve, you know. And the reality of it is, is serving it on those boards gives you insight into what's happening. Uh, a friend of mine actually sold some land. So, so you know, on Interstate 40 they built that uh, jun- they built that exit where that Walmart is. I don't, it's not jun- 40, or Interstate 49. I mean, and they built that. Um, that ramp that went across where that church used to be. Well, he served on the board, so he knew they was going to do that two years before they do it. They were going to do it. So he he just sat on the land until it was time to sell it and sold it for almost twice as much as what he paid for it. Well, serving on the board can help you in your own financial realm. And so that's a sphere of influence government, where government is concerned.
0: Right. It's a sphere of influence. A small level of government that combines education and government is getting involved in your local PTA. Yeah. Yeah. getting involved in your local PTA the, my most my most the p- accomplishment I am most proud of of being the PTA president in my kids school is that when I was the PTA president, I stopped them from serving kids cheese sandwiches when they didn't have money See a lot of you don't know that that if kids don't have lunch money, they get them a cheese sandwich
1: minto cheese most of the time too like, like nobody it's a cheese did. sandwich
0: it's nasty Mo- and, and here's what you don't understand if they can take your tray from you. Dump your tray and give you a cheese sandwich. But if you're a part of PTA, then when they say, here's how many kids we have who don't have money for lunch, you can, you can get your friends to do it. You can, if you own a PTA, you can allocate PTA funds in order to do it. Those are small ways that you can make a difference because you just think about being in school. When you were in school, you noticed when you were different. And if everybody got food and you got a cheese sandwich, baby, you noticed that. And think about it for the kid who maybe didn't eat before they came to school, and then now we got a cheese sandwich, how can anybody learn in that environment? So PTA is a good way to be able to serve. And even if you don't have time to serve, those of you who have kids who are in school, you could just simply go and be like, look, I'm gonna put $100 on the books. When the $100 run out, let me know and I'll give again. Those things make a difference. Those are places you can have influence.
1: In fact, most cafeteria plans run on a semester basis or yearly basis so if you want to you can go to your kid's school wherever they're going and you around Christmas time you can actually go in and talk to the cafeteria manager and you can say because they'll let kids charge to a certain number and you can say hey listen I don't know how you know how, how much do you have on the books where kids have charged and sometimes it can be a couple hundred dollars or whatever and you can pay half of it off a quarter of it off or pay it all off and be a blessing to those kids as a principal I actually used to tell my cafeteria staff if you take a kid's tray and you throw it away you won't have a job Now, what you're going to do is feed them. You're going to come tell me, and I'll figure out how to pay for it. But what you're not going to do is embarrass a kid. Because if you do that, you won't work for me. But the Bible says that when the righteous are in authority, people rejoice. That's why you got to get involved in those kind of things.
0: And that's the reason you shouldn't always want to be the person under the radar, beneath the thing. You want to be the head because you want to be... Yes, there's greater responsibility, but there's greater opportunity to influence people for Jesus. So, those are just small kind of ways you can influence now a couple more five media people are always talking about how bad media is let me tell you why media is so big bad i'm gonna tell you why because all of the people who belong to the church who wanted to be involved in media folks told me it was the devil now that's why and then the people who went out and tried the church threw them away So you didn't have any influence. So if you want to influence media, media, you got to raise up people who know God to be in media. And then when somebody say they want to be an actress, you can't be like, don't go over there and do that devil stuff. I mean, like, listen, believers, guys, we can't be scared of everything. We can't be scared of everything. Listen, I am a, I, y'all know it. Don't even pray for me because I'm not changing. I'm a hip hop girl, okay? You know what I can't stand? Christian rappers that can't rap. Like your stuff is so roses red, violence is blue, Jesus Lord, how about you? What? (laughs) Sit down
1: with that!
0: Oh wax stuff!
1: So lame. So lame.
0: But if the church wouldn't hear me, if when Tasha Cobbs did a song with Nicki Minaj, right. If when Dietrich hadn't did a song with you didn't get on social media and now blast them for doing it. And first of all, listen, no one gets to own Jesus. No one. Just because somebody don't live the way you think they live don't mean they don't know Jesus. And we miss so many opportunities to win. If you just go out and look at some of the stuff that that Christians say about secular artists, just ask yourself this question. If you were those people, would you go to church? I was at a conference with Dr. D.D. Freeman and Michelle Williams was there. And Michelle Williams was talking about you know, she's always loved Jesus. She's always been a church girl. You could tell by the way she carried herself and danced that she's always been committed to, I mean, when they did the B T thing. When they did the B T thing and everybody else danced on somebody young, she got old Maddie Johnson. She want to be clear. I got to do this, but I'm not trying to be inappropriate, right? This is what she said. She said, they spent all that time dogging us because we sang secular music she said and then when we did when Jesus says yes they said we were witches and we weren't really singing to Jesus mm-hmm. she said so you, this was, she said It's 5,000 women in the room she said so you ask me why I'd rather sing bootylicious she said because at least if I sing bootylicious I don't get attacked by people who say they know God Come on. Come on. what is that she said, I gave you what you wanted. When I gave you what you wanted, then you still said I wasn't saved. That's why media is bad. Guys, listen. None of us know everything God would do or how he would do it. In fact, they was always telling Jesus that God would not do what Jesus was doing. He's God, and they're telling him that's not what Jesus would do. All I'm saying to you is that sometimes you may see something. You think about how far music has come. You remember when Kirk Franklin came out with Stump? Yeah. Babe, when Kirk Franklin came out with Stump, some of y'all ain't old enough to remember that, babe. But when Kirk Franklin came out, not only did they say it was devil music, they told us if we listened to it, we was going to hell, we didn't love the Lord. Just because it's new to you and it's not what you would do doesn't mean God hasn't caused somebody to infiltrate oh, that and to do that. So, the best thing you could do sometimes is pray and keep your mouth shut because you don't know the assignment God gave somebody oh,
1: that's else. Right. So, and, and we know Beyonce saved. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. Number six is celebrate.
0: that last CD she got. (laughs) Don't play none of that other stuff. Play that last CD. Hold up. All right. (laughs) Media, six, celebration, arts, entertainments and sports. We've already talked about that. Shoot, six is celebration. Celebration. Under celebration, it's arts, entertainment, and sports. Mm -hmm. Guys, give your kids a chance to be what they are created to be. Give them a chance. We tell this story all the time, cause this is the truth. When Tay first started playing basketball, I this the truth. When that girl used to play basketball, I used to just be like, I wish she picked something else. It looked so bad. I used to think she would go hurt herself. I'd be like, she would run like I'd be like, she. I don't- used to say
1: her basketball playing is not a reflection of me. <laughs> I just kept saying that. That's not a reflection of me.
0: So she played ball in third grade, fourth grade. In the fifth grade, one night, school was about to start, um, school had started, and she came in there, and she said, um, she was 10 or 11, Mm -hmm. and she said, I was laying down to go to sleep, and the Mm. Lord said that if I play basketball, I would lead people to Christ. We pastors. We looked at each other. We said, girl, you ain't got to lie on the Lord if you want to (laughs) play basketball.
1: And then I thought, well, maybe she mean when she's sitting on the bench, she'll be talking to people and lead them to the Lord.
0: (laughs) We was like, you, you. No, we was like, Tay, you ain't, you ain't got a lot, for real, you ain't got a lot on the We will rate. sign you up for basketball. <laughs> no, it's, because things don't always look like what they going to become, right. which That's is right. why you don't need That's to right. judge it. That's this right. is the truth. Right. In one year, yeah. this kid went from looking like she was going to fall down till she run to averaging 18 points yeah. a game yeah. in one no year. year. But we never would have known it if we hadn't given her a chance. Yeah. So you got to give your, kids, so a you give your ch- kids a chance. You can't be all mad at them. And let me tie into that. You cannot tie your identity in your kids' sports.
1: And just because you wanted to play a sport and you didn't get the chance or you, or you weren't as good as you would have liked to have been, you can't now force that on your kids. you, you, you got to let them ex- explore and discover what they want to do. And then and then you help guide them but you can't be one of them overwhelming dads who trying to live your high school glory days through your 9 year old.
0: I'm telling you because listen, now kids get scholarships in a way very differently than when we were in school. When we were in school, coaches came to your school to see you. Now you have to travel. You do. While you making your kid trap, they crying before they play, they hollering, you snatching them. That's clearly not what they created to do. Find something that y'all ain't got to be fussing for every game. I can't tell you how many parents I have seen in gyms just berating their kids. And here's the other thing. Those of you who were super athletes, even in your own mind. Right,
1: right. Right.
0: Because I have found, and we about to wrap up, I have found that as people
1: get older, you get better than you really were. Yeah. Yeah. Every record you set gets better and get, better get the get year better. you tell it. You
0: get, when, when you first come out of high school, you was on the second string because don't nobody know. But now if you've been playing for a while, you was like our sixth man off the bench. No, you was the 12th man. You was 12th. You was the last one. I'm talking basketball. They played you when everybody else was tired and, fi- and found trouble, right? And then you'd be like, I shot the winning free throw. Why? Because don't nobody know. And then you out there yelling at your kids. You can ruin a sport doing too much. You can. Your kids don't need to hear you up in the stands. They miss a free throw. Pull them out. Pull them out! They can't hit free throws no better than that. Pull them. You you should be your kids' biggest cheerleaders. Learn how to support your. If your kids do a dance and they forget the the part,
1: just clap for your baby. Good job, baby. Keep going. Because Because do, do you realize why little kids don't like to give Easter speeches right now? It's not because it's right. It's not because they may mess up. It's because of how their parents respond when they mess up. Listen, I've been in church before where people—what I mean, the dude was literally terrified to give his speech. Well, I don't know why his mama thought he was gonna work. She got up and whooped him in front of everybody, thinking that I was gonna make him give his speech. That kid ain't never gonna do nothing in entertainment where he had to speak before people. So you gotta be careful. You don't be berating your kids and screaming at your kids and saying negative things to your kids. And the truth of the matter is, very few people can tell that they was really as good as they say they were because most people really weren't that good. You were good compared to who you was playing against at the time, but things have changed, so give your kid a break.
0: Well, and that's the same thing for academics. Maybe you were an all-A student, but I mean, but be honest, if you were an all-A student where your total population at your school was 600, and now your kid go to a school where it's a thousand people in their class, how you know they're not doing their best? Have you got them a tutor? Like what's unfair is to not really help your kids all the way. And then when they see a C, you going off, I'm going to take your phone. I'm going to take your whole life. Like that's not good parenting. The Lord don't do you like that they when don't. you mess that's up. Right. That's
1: right.
0: One of the best things you can do as a parent is pray over your kids and ask the Lord to tell you their academic ability. Because just because you was really good at math don't mean that your kid really is. Doesn't mean your kid had the same kind yeah. of math teacher. And a lot of y'all, can I help you? Just because you good at it don't mean you can tutor it and you've been making your kids nervous. You give your kids nervous problems, where way you hollering. Everybody know at my house, I don't help the kids with math. If they were not there, i just give them the answers. i just be like, don't worry about it. Here the answers. <laughs> Because it's not gonna go well. I'm gonna be in there holling. They going to be crying, and then I'm gonna have to buy them some candy because they're crying. I mean, you gotta know what. I, listen, this is true. He get mad. He don't like for me to say it. If he gone out of town, and they got math homework. I give them the answers. I just pull them up. I give them. I say, write it down. Just get the credit. <laughs> when your daddy come back, when your daddy come back, he can help you. <laughs> Last one. Because you preaching with me today. I'm preaching with you. The last one is economics, business, science, and technology. Mm-hmm. Guys, I, I, want, I want you to hear this. You guys know this in our heart. I don't believe that everybody's called to be an entrepreneur. I do believe everybody ought to have a side hustle. Of income. You ought to have some income yeah. that you can put your hands on. Because the truth of it is, is that we do not live in our grandparents' day where if you're faithful to a company, they're faithful to you. That's right.
1: Ain't that the truth. We don't. Ain't that the truth. We don't. So if you are
0: blessed to have a good job, please do not tap out what you're making. Yeah. Because you can have a job today and be escorted in that little room with the blue folder tomorrow. You can be. For those of you who are called to be entrepreneurs, Guys, really learn how to cultivate your business and build something so that you charge in a fair price, so that you're delivering your product with excellence. Man, I'm so proud of Kathleen and Angel and Kenosha for the level at which they are doing their business. So whatever spirit you're called to, do it with excellence. Don't tap out what you're making. If you don't make enough what you're doing, you need to make more money. Yeah. Why? Because you call to be a blessing. And if you're not making enough for yourself, you can't be a blessing anywhere else. Amen. You're saying I may you may be saying, I'm I'm called to be a teacher. When Ellen was called when Ellen was a teacher, he still made extra money because there are skills that teachers use that you can do other things mm-hmm. with. So you can still be a teacher, be a social worker, be a whatever, and have other streams of income. That's right. But guys, here's real talk every revolution, every transformation that ever takes place requires money. It requires money. And we want to be in the place because you know our goal, we've given away one scholarship. we got several seniors graduating next year. We want to be able to give away scholarships to those. We need everybody increasing so we can have scholarships. Amen. Right now, we're able to give away $1,000 a semester. Our goal is eventually to be able to, if, that if you if you go to FOC, if your kid goes to FOC and you're here, to be able to send your kid to school. Well, what if they don't go to college? Trade school. What if they just need a computer? What if they need a trip abroad? Our goal is to be able to do that. Our goal is to get to be able to be at the point that we can help people with down payments for houses. You can't do that if everybody got a just me mentality.
1: I read something the other day. There was a church in, um, it was Pastor Michael, Pastor Didi, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was another church too out in DC. And one of the things that they did, and they've, they really got noticed for it now, and this is, this is going to go along with what we were talking about earlier. They started off giving a $1,000 scholarship, I think like 20 years ago. They gave a $1,000 scholarship. People got so excited, they started giving more $1,000 scholarships. They went to five to ten. And now they got this thing where if you go, Because they have a school at their church, which is one of the things we want too. They had a school at their church, and if you went between sixth and twelfth grade to that school, uh, that when you graduated and you went to school in state, they paid for your four-year tuition. Now they started doing that without any outside help. People started seeing what they were doing, and then companies started giving to them. Last year, they gave one point two million dollars in scholarships. One point two million in scholarships. Because corporation was like, hey, we want to get a part, we want to to do that. And of course, they do it because it's a tax write-off for them and other things. But it helps kids, though. But it helps kids, right? And so they gave $1.2 million. And I I literally was reading that article, and I said, I "I want to be the first church to give a billion dollars in scholarships away. A billion dollars. Maybe not all at one time, but a billion dollars in scholarships away.
0: Think about what, for those of you who have student loans, how different would your life be if you didn't have student loans? How different would your life, would your kid's life be? I say to Tay all the time, I'd be like, girl, you can go try anything you want to. You don't owe nobody nothing. (laughs) No, really. She can have any dream she want to because she graduated, she don't have a car, no, and she don't have any student loans and no credit card debt. That means that at 22, she still has options. Most of us didn't have options when we graduate. You got to get a job, sometimes stuck in an industry that you don't like. We just want people to live better. It is so much easier to show the goodness of God when people aren't burdened down by life. We want to be one of the churches that makes a difference like that. Last year when we gave Kaylee our scholarship, it's your, you can give this morning. We, We done with the message, so you know we do offering at the end. But when we gave Kaylee our scholarship, you know what I thought was so interesting? We had people from all over the country who gave money to the scholarship because they were blown away that a church without a building would give a scholarship. They were like, y'all ain't got a building. You gave a scholarship? Pastors was like, you made us get our game up. You don't have to be big to make a difference. You you, you don't have to be large to make a difference. But if you small with a big-time mentality, when you big, you can do life-changing transformation stuff. I knew you was gonna come back. Because
1: I think it's important that you that you understand because we don't always have opportunities to share vision. So here's one of the things I want you to think about that I want to do one day. Okay. One day what I would like to do is I would like for us when it's time to go back to school is to have a facility like maybe like the Doubletree or someplace like that where we go and buy all brand new clothes, brand new shoes of all different sizes and kids in the community who can't afford it get to come and go school shopping at our store. You well know, we pay for it. And I ain't talking about cheap stuff. I mean I mean I mean good stuff. Well, they come, they can get shoes, they can get the haircut, they can get three, four, five outfits, backpacks, all that stuff. Well, they don't even have to, I mean, they ain't gotta be shame or nothing. They can just come and just and just do it. And as I'm thinking about that, I go, okay, man, that's really big. How are we gonna do that? And the Lord said, it wouldn't even be in your heart if I didn't already know how you're gonna do it. So I'm telling you, there's gonna come a day. Well, we're gonna have a big old place, and we're gonna get kids from all over the area, and they're gonna to get to come. And instead of having to go back to school, where kids are making fun of them because they don't have new clothes and all that stuff, they're gonna be flying to everybody else. Amen. Amen.
0: Think about what it would like to be what it would be like to be able to take the highest poverty school in the region, and just say you don't have to worry about school supplies the whole year. Whatever school supplies your kids need, we we supply them. Those are the kind of things that get people. When the people were hungry, Jesus fed them. People getting their needs met then makes people open. I get it. Some people go run a hustle. Some people go do whatever. You can't do nothing about that. But what? You, what think about all the people's lives we can change. And some of those people need to give their life to Jesus. But some of those people know Jesus, and they just need their faith restored in church. And we want to do that. So um, we hope you enjoyed the word today. If you need prayer this morning, let's see, who am I picking?